Hello and welcome to Palindrome, the tenant rewatch analysis podcast by Nerdific.com. In this podcast, we're going scene by scene through the 2020 film Tenant by Christopher Nolan, trying to figure out the plot, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. My name's Gabe. I'm here with Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. Hi. So today we're talking about, I guess, what's the third scene? We don't technically know how many scenes there are or which scene we're on, but we're basically starting at minute 8, uh, 43 seconds. 8.43. We're watching it on Amazon Prime. Like, we bought it on Amazon Prime, so I'm sure different formats and stuff might have different time signatures, but we haven't given the time signatures in previous episodes, and I think that's important that we're, we do that going forward so people know exactly what, where we are in it. Uh, so this podcast has full spoilers, so don't listen if you don't want to be fully spoiled on the movie. Okay, so like I said, starting at uh, 8 minutes, 43 seconds. Basically, this was right after um, the first two-ish scenes, and then they show uh, the title of the film, Tenant, kind of fades to black type thing. When it comes back, uh, our protagonist, who the character is literally named The Protagonist. The protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> He's waking up from being tortured, where they pulled his teeth out. And last time we saw him, he had just bitten down on a cyanide pill. So when he wakes up, obviously it wasn't cyanide because he's still alive. And uh, he's at a hospital bed on a boat. And there is a guy who we assume is some sort of higher up in the CIA. Is that who you, you assume that is, Becky? Um, yes, but I paid special attention. And CIA is never said. So, I mean, we're just kind of led to believe that's what it is. In the last episode of this podcast, in scene two, um, when, he, when he goes, maybe you, you were wishing for this, and he pulls out the cyanide pill from his coat while he's tied to the chair, he says, CIA issue. I think he says, like, I don't think he says CIA. I think he says, like, agency issued or something. No, he says CIA that's we talked about this last time we said this is why we think he's cia that could be because i know it comes from somewhere because definitely in this scene they do not say cia anywhere no they don't they do not say it in this scene so you know maybe his homework next time we can rewatch the second scene um but yeah i remember we talked about how we assume he's cia and the reason is is because when he pulls out the cyanide pill the bad ukrainian says cia issue anyway so uh, they, they tell the protagonist that he was in a medically induced coma uh, and they rebuilt his mouth because when he's being tortured, they pulled out his teeth. And then the protagonist says the cyanide pill is fake. And then the, the boss guy goes, think of it as a test. And obviously the protagonist passed. Basically. So, so yeah. I, like, how, I mean, how long do we think he was in, in a coma? doesn't matter but i mean like you know we have no concept of time so even like from the beginning of this scene he's waking up like you know was it days weeks like why i just think it's weird that we have no concept of time on that they say they like yeah reworked his mouth and everything but i just think that's weird yeah that's a good point because it would take time to actually rebuild his mouth and for it to heal enough for them to like wake him up so i would guess at least a week but that's a total guess. We have no, like you said, we have no concept otherwise. 
And he's on a boat, so you got to imagine that, like, this work was not done on a boat, and they finally, like, deemed him medically stable enough to be put on a boat to be taken to his next thing. But, I, so, I, it's just, it's frustrating to me, because I feel like the first two scenes, there's just nothing to hold on to. You have no idea what's going on. You don't know which way is up. So finally, like, you see the title sequence, so it's like, okay, take a deep breath. Things are going to start to be explained. And then the scene makes no fucking sense. <laughs> um, well, at least, though, this scene, I thought that this scene was meant to, like, slow you down so you weren't, like, because 70% of this scene is him working out. Yeah. And there's no dialogue and there's not much going on. Um, and before we started, I mentioned I don't really have much to talk about because there's not a ton of plot points. I almost felt like this scene was to reset. But it doesn't, it still doesn't give you much to hold on to. So, I mean, you know, like we don't, so we don't know how long he's in a coma. We know he's fixed. Okay, great. Um, and then, and then he asks again with this clear, he said, did my team get clear? So I like actually Googled that. I'm like, is this normal CIA terminology? Is this like normal terminology people use? Like, I don't understand what get clear really means. Like, obviously I can infer, did they, you know, clear the information? Did they get clear because they cleared the interrogation without providing anything? But like, it's just continuing the opaqueness, which is ironic considering the word is clear, but of like what actually everyone is trying to say. Just like everything is so coded that it's just frustrating. Right. And so for me personally, you know, I guess you don't have to follow this, Rebecca, but for me, I need to have a placeholder, even if we don't totally believe it. So for me, getting clear means um, surviving interrogation without spilling the beans. So either either dying or living without spilling the beans. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I can subscribe to that, but it's just, I mean, it just feels very Nolan that it's like, I'm going to make up this word and keep using it and you're going to have to figure out what it means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so then the CIA explainer guy says um, they thought it was private Russians. Um, so that could mean that it could be Seder and, and also like, you know, implies that it wasn't the government, but it's like, did we ever think it was the government? I mean, I guess maybe because the SWAT guys were there and he was getting, but I mean, it was so, that wasn't who was interrogating him. So anyway, I mean like a good piece of information, but also like, I knew it was bad guys. I never assumed it was the Russian government. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Russian government maybe has a bad rap, and so maybe that was important to uh, cl clear, clear up. Yeah. yeah. By the way, so Seder is the main bad guy. Yeah. I don't know if we've established that in this podcast. Yeah, I think we did in the first episode, but good to be clear. On that note, something we haven't talked about yet, something that um, Rebecca brought to my attention, is that the word tenant actually comes from this uh, thing called the Seder Square, which is like this ancient five by five square. And it has um, five words on it um, that are all palindromes. So the words are 
Seder, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, and Rotas. Um, and so the thing is, is the way that it's laid out on this five by five square, uh, any way that you read one of the words, it is a palindrome of another word. Uh, and it, it's always those five words. And then, so in this real world, um, Seder Square, every word on there is used in the movie. So the movie is called Tenet. Tenet's on the Seder Square. And, uh, but there, there's also an organization in the, in the movie called Tenet. And basically that's what the protagonist is learning about right now. So then obviously Seder, as we just said, is the main antagonist. Uh, the, the first scene took place in an opera. Um, and then there is a uh, art forger later on, I think actually in the next scene, or maybe two scenes later, um, whose surname is Arepo. And then uh, Rotas is the name of a security company at a Freeport later on in the film. So I thought that was really cool. Um, that uh, I'm glad you brought that to my attention because I had no idea about that. But Nolan has many layers. Right. So so anyway, the CIA head guy, whoever he is, explains that there is a cold war, as he calls it. But that, I just like I I hate this guy. <laughs> I don't know if I hate his character or his acting, but like he. Everything, everything about him is the weakest part of the movie to me. Like, I just, I find what he's saying, like his dialogue is uncreative. It's delivered stiffly. It's just, all, all of it, I think is terrible. And like, I literally took down his dialogue because I thought it was so stupid. Like, so he says, there's a cold war. Cold as ice. Mm -hmm. That's so dumb. Like, a cold war implies that it's cold. Like, what? Like, that's just stupid. There's no reason to say that. Um, to even know its true nature, his next line is, says, to even know its true nature is to lose, which is also, like, a nonsensical phrase and is not true because, like, they learn what is going on and they don't lose. They win. <laughs> so, right. like, I don't know what that is supposed to be in there. This is knowledge divided. I literally don't know what that means. <sighs> well... So yeah, I, I have to use a placeholder. I, I don't know either, I guess. So the whole, and, and again, this is all full spoilers here. So the whole, the whole um, source of this whole conflict is that there is a scientist far into the future who learns about this um, inverted entropy technology. She determines that it's like gonna gonna destroy the world, so she um, makes like an algorithm out of these physical objects, and gives these objects uh, inverted entropy, and then scatters them across I don't know I guess the world, and then those objects because because they have inverted entropy they basically are going backwards in time, and um, by doing so, they're unobtainable by her, her peers or the people around who her, who would know because everybody wants this algorithm. So she's basically like, "How can I hide this from people?" And it's literally to like, to send them back in time. Um, 
so to speak. And, and because those people can't also travel in time, at least that's what she thought, then, um, you know, she might be right. But, but because those people can't travel back in time, they also can't obtain those objects. So maybe when he's saying to know its true nature is to lose, because the, this algorithm is best forgotten from history. So to know it is the, really the source of the entire conflict of this film. Yeah, but then at the end, they know it and they're able to destroy it and like keep it from like being used. So but like... but they, they're also in some kind of weird suicide pact, which we're going to have to figure out at the end. And the knowledge of it almost destroys the world. So I think that's I think that's what he means is that like the knowledge of this algorithm is threatening, I guess, the universe, like because uh, it can be used to destroy the universe. I mean, I guess, but I just feel like it's it's a stupid line, like to know it's true nature is to lose is like, OK, so then why are we here? But what are we trying to solve? Because if we're gonna, if we learn what we're trying to solve, then we've already lost. Like, no, that's not what happens. I mean, it just goes back to I. This this guy is terrible. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know. I mean, given my admiration of Nolan, I feel like it's intentional, and I can't figure out why. Because just this whole scene is awkward. And like, so I don't necessarily have a problem with, so he ends up being like, all I have for you is a gesture and with the word tenant. And like that, I kind of, I don't dislike that in and of itself. Like, you know, it's not like the most creative way to have like, you know, an undercover code or whatever, but like, I, I don't hate it. It's interesting. Like I kind of get it, but just the way he gives it makes it feel so like campy and stupid that I just, I feel like. I mean, in a movie full of a lot of pivotal scenes, this is a pretty pivotal scene. You're getting big information. And I just feel like embarrassed for him. I'm like, this is the stupidest <laughs> way to provide it. I mean, he's like standing on the boat and then just like, and that's part of it too. Like their physical positioning, like they're both facing out. And so he has to like half turn to like show him. And he's very much like, I'm showing you this instead of being like, so here's what you have, like kind of like, more conversationally, I feel like he's very much like, you need to know. Mm -hmm. This is what you do. Like, it just, the whole thing, I didn't like. <laughs> uh, so the gesture, we should clarify, is he interlocks his fingers. In the, so the, when he does so, the fingers are pointing in opposite directions. And that, that's the point of it, is that entropy is going in opposite directions in this film. And uh, that's the whole the whole shtick of the whole movie. Yeah, and like so, he says using that in combination with the word tenant, you know, will open right doors and wrong doors. So I mean, like that's kind of whatever, and not like the most complex dialogue either. But like actually sharing that, I don't have a problem with. It's just the way he does it. I just think it's such a. It's just like it's awkward. It's lame. It feels uncreative. Like just all of it is very unfulfilling to me where i feel like so much of it is not like that so um so so he's basically saying that the word tenant is going to replace the previous sort of passphrase or whatever you call it which was uh we live in a twilight world which still gets used though 
I know that's the confusing part and we're gonna have to point that out as we go through this um, you know why does he still use when does he still use uh, we live in a twilight world versus the word tenant because there are times throughout the film when he does slip the word tenant into sentences and that does open doors as this guy is explaining but i wanted to ask didn't this guy like resemble certain archetypes to you that you've seen in other movies like to me like um do you ever see the movie jfk with kevin costner Okay, well, there's there's a scene in JFK when when Kevin Costner meets with a guy and a famous actor I can't remember his name, um, in a black hat in a park and they're like sitting on a bench, um, and he just is speaking very opaquely. It doesn't introduce himself, but he's obviously some sort of omniscient character who's like filling Kevin in on like as much as he can, um, but. Uh, I, I really feel like it's a film archetype and this guy is fitting that archetype. Like it was very X-Files also. Did you ever watch X-Files? Yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's very, you know, dosis machina, as we like to say in a lot of these things. He just comes in and gives answers. You know, it's like, I, I, I get that, but I just feel like his, again, either his, choices as an actor or what he was given as a character make it so flat i mean because if you think of like in um um why can i think of it the other nolan movie inception <laughs> sorry you think about inception like you know i feel like michael Caine a lot plays this role and obviously michael Caine has more of a role than just this but when he's there like informing he's giving it to you in an interesting way and he's giving it to you like I'm, I'm nervous to provide this. Like, I, I, I have this information and maybe it hasn't been good for me to have it. So I'm tentative to provide it. And you can, like, see his character going through this. Where this guy is just, like, blank slate. Like, here are the words I'm supposed to say. And I interlace my fingers. Um, yeah, so, I mean, definitely Michael Caine. I mean, if, if you're going to uh, measure him against Michael Caine, then yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I, I really do think that this is just an archetype this is a, a film noir archetype of um uh, a guy in a trench coat comes and and says and kind of speaks opaquely as you said and and just like we're we know that this person is in the know and he's telling you as much as you need to know and that he's kind of the guy behind the guy type thing and I think it's an archetype that shows up in in uh, pop culture. Like even like, okay, in, in the TV show Friends, um, Ross goes to visit his monkey at the zoo and he walks into the enclosure. No one else is around. And the janitor is pretending to mop and he goes, meet me in the, what does he say? Meet me in the meet me in the penguin exhibit after four. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and Ross is like, excuse me and, and it's this whole idea that like you have this rendezvous person and they like convey information to you but you never know anything about them or i don't know yeah. to me to me it fit firmly into that archetype i 
I agree. Just reading it, that is absolutely what it is. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with someone coming in, providing the information and to never be seen again. Like I, I get all of that. But like literally when he did the hand gesture and said the word tenant, like I felt embarrassed <laughs> because I was just like, this is so dumb. Like why were they not sitting inside the boat? Like talking or like you know because obviously the protagonist is like very hesitant and very like what the hell are you saying so like i don't mind like the protagonist being shut off but that this guy like i just felt like it was so rote and it was so stiff that i I just it it was it just made me embarrassed (laughs) all right well um you are you are entitled to that (laughs) i i uh you know, I didn't care that much. Yeah. I, I thought it was a, th- a throwaway character. The guy was supposed to be very vanilla. And um, like I said, I think he fits into this like noir uh, archetype of but like the man like, in the black hat. But literally, even in this movie, the role Michael Caine, physically Michael Caine plays, is also this archetype. Like, I'm going to be here for a little bit. I'm going to provide you with specific information and then I'm going to get out. And his like two minute scene is wonderful. And you're like so interested in him and you want him to come back. You want to know more about him. You are engaged where this guy like could not get off the screen soon enough. (laughs) Okay. Well, fortunately for you and maybe others, he does get off the scene very quickly. I mean, what is he on, on the thing? Like 90 seconds? Probably. But, but before we leave him, so in the beginning, he, you know, they talked about like, oh yeah, you know, the CIA issued pill is a, is not real and that's a test. So like, obviously this is not important to the movie, but like, are they trying to set this up where like, so anytime someone takes the CIA, all CIA issued pills are fake and every time you try to take it, you are picked up by the CIA and taken off on some other mission? Like, why why is the protagonist special if this is always the test? Or is it specifically the test? Like, it was just kind of a... Like, I understand the role it played, but it just kind of, like, it was unfulfilling for me. Um, okay, by the way, the actor from the JFK film, it was uh, Donald Sutherland. His, <laughs> his character's name? X. Yeah. I mean, I I get the archetype. Like, it's just the delivery of it that I don't know if it was a character choice. I don't know if it was an acting choice or how the character was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, but uh, what you said about the the pill—that's a great question. Is every cyanide pill a test? That's a great question. And and if it like works out that it is a test, and then you get picked up by the CIA after and taken care of and given some cool new mission. Seems weird. <laughs> weird because aren't there then a bunch of CIA operatives walking around who their friends think are dead and all of a sudden they're like, right. yeah, no, it's a great point. I wonder, I wonder if maybe the implications are that they only give the fake pills out for certain high profile missions or maybe they've, they so rarely come to that point that maybe they are all fake and not yeah, many. you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Because you can't even make the argument that they were specifically going after the protagonist because it was his buddy's pill that he ended up taking. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. 
So you can't be like, well, all of them are real, but they wanted the protagonist right, for this, yeah. so they had to find a way to kill him. Like, no, he took someone else's pill. Yeah, you know, perhaps, um, per- perhaps the CIA kills their operatives in this world. So maybe, so maybe you survive interrogation, and um, why why didn't you take your pill? Um, be- and then and then they know that you spilled the beans, and then they kill you, maybe. Yeah, but then say, but I mean, like, then what's the situation like? Because it doesn't even quite make sense. Okay, so he's with, he's getting tortured. He takes the pill. It doesn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Or his torturer is just like, well, we're done here. We can go. I mean, does it like kill you for a while? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. I, I completely understand the plot point it's supposed to play in the film. And I think it plays it well enough that it's only on me trying to dissect it that I'm going down these paths but okay I mean I I think in the movie it's like you know they address it he took it it didn't kill you it was a test got it check mark move on but I just thought it was interesting okay well it's important without saying the whole scene it's important that we convey right now everything that is conveyed to the protagonist because it sets off the whole movie yeah so we know there's some kind of cold war. Cold as ice. <laughs> okay. See, it's stupid. We know that... Because um, d- the protagonist at one point says, I resign. And the the guy, I'm going to call him X. X says, like, this, this, is, this is yeah. no longer... He, he goes, well, yeah, he goes, you don't work for us anymore. You're dead. So they, they've obviously made him, like, everyone think that he's dead. Yeah. Um, but, but, he, but he basically, the reason he says that, he goes, this is about survival. And of who? That, and that's, no, of everybody, of himself. Well, that's what I'm saying. The protagonist asks. <laughs> I was trying to help you. Yeah. Well, what does he, he says of who? And then yeah. what's the answer? Do you know? Everybody. Everybody. He yeah. literally says everybody? Yeah. Okay. Or I think, like, the whole yeah. world or whatever. So, so that's... Um, despite, uh, the delivery of it, that is intriguing that the stakes are that high. I don't know if we've ever had a Nolan film where the stakes are literally like the fabric of the universe, because I think that's, um, what is at stake. I think the misuse of this algorithm, this technology is going to destroy the universe. Um, and you know, we've never had stakes that high. It's always been about, um, you know, a, a person trying to survive a certain situation. Yeah, that's true. Or, I don't know, I guess in Batman, it's it's entire cities. Um, you know, it's it's Gotham. That, yeah. But, you know, it's always confined. And, and this is such a much larger scope. Yeah. Um, hold on. I, I know I'm regressing. Interstellar, I guess. It's, that's what it's, I was thinking, yeah. Like, Interstellar, they're trying to save Earth. Yeah. The not not even the planet Earth, but but uh, humans because they're like running out yeah. of the ability to farm and stuff. Yeah. But this is bigger. This is bigger than bigger that. than even that. It's yeah. true. So the stakes are high. Um, he doesn't explain why that is, but I just did a couple minutes ago. Um, and then that's that's it though, right? Uh, yeah. Tells him pills fake. We saved you. Now this is your mission. You can't get out of it. You're, you're you're fighting for the survival of everyone. 
the I, word the word tenant is a key this gesture is a key although i don't know if anybody ever uses the gesture he does does he yeah the protagonist does yeah wow i don't remember that okay so the next couple of things that happens i i feel like I, I get this sense a lot in Nolan films. When I watch them, things make sense, but they don't actually uh, hold water. Yeah. So so the protagonist is now healed, and now he needs to go on his mission. So he needs to like kind of like reintegrate into the world without, without I guess, being noticed or seen. Although, I, I don't know who actually would be looking for him. Right. But um, the way that he does that is, so the the hospital bed is on a big boat. A smaller boat comes, takes him to a wind turbine field in the middle of the ocean. There's like all these giant wind turbines in the middle of the ocean. It takes the protagonist to one of these turbines by himself, drops him off. He walks in, so he doesn't have a bag when he walks in. I looked very closely. He does not have a bag. Oh, it's already in there. Yeah. He he goes inside the turbine, and there's a bag in there. And the bag has a uh, fluorescent vest, like one of those construction worker, like um, reflective vests. Uh, It has a gun that's loaded with bullets. And there's also a little black cylinder and he opens it, I think. They don't actually show him open it. But then I, I assume what's inside is something silver and shiny. See, I thought that was the magazine for the gun. There was a magazine for the gun, but there's also a black cylinder. Okay. So how I how I saw it is he took out the magazine for the gun, looked at the silver thing, and I couldn't tell if it was a pill or a bullet. I, I couldn't either. I, I couldn't tell either because... Um, Here's 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 the exact sequence because I watched it like three times. Pulls out the gun, pushes in the magazine, uh, pulls back the action to basically load load a um, a round. Okay. After he does that, he reaches in, pulls out a black cylinder. The it doesn't show him open the black cylinder, but it cuts away. He still has the black cylinder in his hand, and then he also has something silver in his hand. Okay. That the first time I saw the movie, and probably the first two times I watched it, I thought was a bullet. But now it dawns on me, it's another pill. I just assumed, I always assumed it was a pill. But, like, yeah. that doesn't quite make sense either, because it's like, well, now you know that. Yeah, because it's fake. Or is this one real? But now you don't know. Like, it's, yeah. so it seems weird, yeah like that's so weird right it because because the pill is shiny silver the one at the beginning of the film the one that he took or the one that was sewed into his jacket was shiny silver and then his buddies that he he ended up actually taking were shiny silver but now we know there's a fake but then they gave him one so he seems to like disregard it though he kind of like looks at it and is like well i don't think it puts it back in i don't think it ever comes up again right no no so like yeah, it doesn't. Um, and, and it's clear, like, he's not like, okay, yeah, how do I have this available to me? Or do I take it now? He kind of seems to be like, all right, throw it back in the bag with everything else. Who cares? All right, well, but. again, I need my placeholder because that's who I am. You don't have to have a placeholder and you don't have to buy into mine, but here's my placeholder. My placeholder is if he gets into another situation where he's being interrogated, 
he's going to take the silver pill and he's going to let the interrogator see it or know that he's taking it and then he'll pass out or whatever the pill does make him seem dead and then the interrogator will think he's dead and that'll be his way of getting out of that situation it's like a it's like a video game when you die because you're out of lives you go back to the beginning (laughs) yeah so there there, to me that's the pill could still be useful if you're being interrogated see to me i i saw it as him just being like i don't care about this like this this didn't work before it's not gonna work again moving on I mean, I guess all that it does is it confirms, as if there's any doubt, it confirms that, assuming he was CIA, it, it confirms that he's still working for the CIA. Yeah. Because the bag... Even he's not. The bag was there, and it had a gun, and it had a pill. So now we know the CIA put it there, yeah. and he's still part of whoever he was working for. Yeah. No, that's fair. So... Um, okay, so then he works out. But but just to yeah. hit on something you you said as well, but it's not clear. Like when he gets there, is that like he is he told his mission? Is he told any more from there, or is it just like is that the start of his mission, or is this just like you need to find some way to like integrate back to human beings, and you're now on this boat with no one? Like it's just it's a weird start of a mission considering they're tra- taking him to a windmill that has nothing to do with anything or a wind right. turbine mm-hmm. so it's like it's just the point to get so the boat picks you up and you can just like blend in with employees again it doesn't matter because that's what ends up happening but it's just weird um right like is the windmill the start of his mission or is it just to get him on the boat that takes him to land because then I guess it's just the simplest way to do it. Well, I think it goes back to what I was saying. Like, it doesn't hold water. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, he was already right. on a boat. Why not just go drop him off and then he'll get in the car and leave? It's more interesting to us to watch him, to go see this, um, you know, wind turbine field in the middle of the ocean. Like, I don't think a lot of people have probably seen that. No, which brings me to another thing. So, like, I don't... I only got this on, like, a second viewing. Are, and this is a stretch. Okay. Are we supposed to get some type of, like, Don Quixote reference to it being windmills? Because he's fighting something that isn't really there, because it's in the past, kind of now, not really in the future. Is Is that why he chose it? Because just like we were saying, it's weird. It lines up in that... I mean, it quote-unquote lines up because he was on a boat and they're taking him out to something in the water, but there was no reason he needed to be recovering from medical procedures on a boat. So it's like the choice to put him on a boat was intentional, like, and could wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. So then the windmill wasn't necessary. So then are we supposed to get something from that? Oh no, God. Nolan, I feel like yes. But. It has to be that. There's no way it's not it's that. It's so weird otherwise. Yeah. There's no way it's not a Don Quixote thing. Wow. That's pretty insightful. That's why you keep me around. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay. So he's on the windmill. He's doing some pull-ups. Um, and then another boat comes. So this boat... Well, and, and in the windmill, fantastic cinematography. Great to watch. Interesting. You're in. You're like trying to figure out what he's feeling and doing. Like... Well, and like Great I said, like I said, I feel like this was a uh, pace reset because yeah. we just got 
off of traumatic, literally traumatic um, inundation of plot, the first two scenes. Yeah. Just like could not, literally could not go any faster um, pace wise. So I feel like this was just resetting, like, okay, take Take a a breath. breath. Yeah. I agree. Because, I mean, it's literally just, you know, a little montage of him working out or whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then a what we assume is a civilian boat comes. No. No? So this is on my second or third viewing. Okay. I had to look this up because when he's getting on, you can see the boat says Turner Isenin. Okay. I Googled this. Okay. It is a privately owned and funded Turner Group of Companies headed in, headquartered in Glasgow, Scotland. Okay. I, I love Glasgow, so I found that exciting. All right. Um, and so what they do is um, manage wind sector projects. Okay. So, so he is trying, he is disguised as an employee of this company, and the employees are at, go out to these windmills to do maintenance or check right. or whatever. Yeah, so I'm, that's what I was saying, civilian, like... As opposed to... Well, it's a, not government. A, it's, yeah. not, it's not the CIA. It's not military. Right. It's, but it's not just like private people boating around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yes, I don't yes, think... Yes. Yeah, I don't think private people will be boating around this like wind farm. That'll be interesting. <laughs> but yeah, so so this like maintenance type boat yeah. pulls up with a bunch of guys wearing the reflective vests. Uh, I, I assume it's some sort of changing of the, the maintenance guy. Yeah, you're there two um, weeks and then new guys Yeah, come. because like another guy steps on the windmill and then a protagonist steps off. So, okay, I know we're belaboring this. And it is incredible we're almost at 40 minutes talking about what must be 90 seconds of a See, movie. You thought there yeah. wasn't going to be anything <laughs> okay. to talk about. All right. He steps off. No one says anything. I know. Nobody goes, who the hell are you? Right. Or, hey, buddy. Or, or like... Um, Any acknowledgement whatsoever. Yeah. Or at least, like, give let us know that he has a backstory, that he's going to lie and say, hey, um, John, I um, I know we're a small company and all, but uh, I just started. <laughs> yeah. Frank hired me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the idea that he would just step on to this boat of full of people who presumably are not in on this mission unless this unless the windmill is um owned by the cia and the whole thing is some sort of front as a way to reintegrate operatives but i mean doesn't that seem way too elaborate no i i agree and and i think it's i think it's like the um uh how they explain the pill you know they're like oh it didn't work it was a test okay like so now like check that off in your brain move forward so I feel like it's that kind of thing. It's like, oh, well, he put on the vest. Because, like, he makes, like, not a big deal, but you could tell he's, like, either it's then or maybe it's earlier. At some point he looks at the vest. So you can tell, like, he's like, oh, I know I'm supposed to do that to, like, blend in with the employees. So I feel like that's kind of their answer to it being, like, he looks like an employee now, so he can just go right in. Right. But I agree. It's a lot of things that it's, like, it's enough of a something that you don't. As, fixate on it right. but it's not an answer as an audience member we see these things happen we move on but right. when you just think about it for two seconds it's like the, I mean this company would have to be massive yeah. they'd have to have thousands upon thousands of employees in order for him to just like step on this boat but then not like blow his cover right. within within seconds of yeah. not knowing anybody there not knowing the lingo 
uh, not having a, a solid cover story, whatever. So, so it goes back to what I was saying like a bit ago about this idea that he's reintegrating. This almost would defeat that because he would not be able to integrate with these employees. Right. And then, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they'd throw him in the water, but it definitely... Would we'll uh, some questions. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, if someone was asking questions, someone came around, hey, did you see a guy who looked like this, this, and this? Like, Actually, there was this strange thing that happened. This dude somehow got on a windmill and then got onto our boat. He, he clearly didn't belong there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the idea that they needed him to reintegrate and then this was the way they did it. They picked the most complicated, strangest way you possibly could have done it. Like, I mean, I feel like they literally could have just dropped him off in the middle of any city ever and it wouldn't have mattered, no, right? totally. I mean, especially, and we'll, we'll get into it in the next episode, but the next scene is like, so then he gets back on the dock, he gets in a car, and he goes right to um, an office building or whatever to learn more about all this. So it's like, well, why don't you just skip all that like, right. middle yeah. part and just take him there, CIA? Exactly. Like, because exactly, if you were trying to, if there was an attempt to integrate him and get him there, that's one thing. Be like, well, you need to create some like timeline, have some people see you, be on some CCTV somewhere yeah. so that you could like <laughs> have a record. But like, none of that is true. Right. So. so I just, I think it's just like a film thing. It's just an interesting way because it's obviously more boring for us to watch them just like drop him off at the front door yeah. of this right. office building that he's ultimately going to. It's boring for us to watch, but but it does create like when you're watching it, it's confusing. You don't yeah. know why it's confusing until you and I sit here and talk about it, and then you're like, oh, this is this is why it felt weird watching it. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we keep saying I I keep saying this is the most confusing movie I've ever seen. Stuff like this doesn't help. Yeah. No. It's but apparently I think we agree this none of this has anything to do with the plot stuff that we're trying to unravel. I don't think so, but in the years years we have spent talking about inception years. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there have been times where we've tried to come to peace with something, being like, Well, you know, at a certain point it's a movie and he's making a movie making choice. That has always been proven wrong. We get more information. We watch it again and we're like, oh, here's actually why that happens. And it all fits. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like there's already like this episode, there's a couple things been like, well, it's like, it's a movie. He made a movie choice, but I feel like I hope that that will be proven wrong by the end of the series. (laughs) Okay. Well, so, so he gets on that, that boat. The civilian boat. They head to some sort of cargo. Um, sh- uh, what am I trying to say? Dock. Dock. Port. Where, port. Yeah. And there's a car there. There. There's a guy. Again, must be a CIA guy. So a guy is sitting in the car. The guy steps out of the car, walks away. The protagonist knows to step into the car, which and, we have and drive no knowledge away. of why he knows that. Right, and drives away. And then, so that's where we're ending. So I'm, I'm saying that we're ending this discussion at the um, 12 minute, 48 second um, mark. And just to give some bearing, so the Turner ICN company, which you wouldn't know unless you know that company well, is in Glasgow, is in Scotland. 
the um, license plate on the car looks to be British or at least European. So you have some like frame of reference that it seems like that's probably where you're at. Um, and then on the map, there's a lot of water. So it seems like it's somewhere in Scotland or England. Okay. Well, so yeah. But, but you don't have a lot to get there. <laughs> right. So he got from Ukraine to the UK. Yeah. Via this very complicated unnecessarily uh, chain complicated. of events. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not very complicated. Unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, is there anything else to talk about? The next scene is going to be challenging. Um, cause yes. that's when they actually introduce the, uh, reverse or inverted entropy. And, um, I feel like we could do every word <laughs> yeah. and be like every line of dialogue and be like, okay, what? Right. Alrighty. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? I'm good. You got all your notes? Uh, you got through all your notes, I should say? Got through them all. Cool. Well, um, with that being said... Thanks for listening, and we will uh, catch you next time. Thanks.